Thank you to Wildcare and Wildlife Acoustics for sponsoring the Bat Chat podcast. Can you hear that? We can. Wildlife Acoustics creates the world's leading bat acoustic monitoring tools, designed to help scientists make impactful discoveries for our biologically diverse planet, turning this into this. Visit wildlifeacoustics.com to learn more. Wildcare are committed to supporting the ecology industry and are specialists in supplying a large range of monitoring, conservation and habitat management products, as well as equipment hire and service and repair. With a large range of products coupled with friendly and expert help and advice, Wildcare is a favourite supplier for ecologists nationwide. Go to wildcare.co.uk to see the full range and quote BatChat at the checkout for 10% off all bat detectors and bat boxes. This week we come to you from the Welcome Hills overlooking Stratford-upon-Avon in Warwickshire. This is Bat Chat from the Bat Conservation Trust. Hello and welcome to Bat Chat. This is the podcast where we bring you the stories from the world of bat conservation. I'm Steve Rowe, a BCT trustee, and if you're a regular listener, it's good to have you back with us. And if this is your first time listening to Bat Chat, welcome along. Episodes are being released every second Wednesday from now through to the spring, and you can join the conversation online using the hashtag BatChat. That's all one word. As we meet each of our guests, you'll hear from people working to make a difference in the world of bat conservation. As well as keeping up with the latest news and hearing from people in the world of bats, we hope that you'll be inspired to get involved because bats need our help. As last summer was drawing to a close, I headed to the Welcome Hills overlooking Stratford-upon-Avon and found a sunny spot to sit down with Angela Mills. Angela's book, Bobby the Brown Geared Bat, has been a popular hit with children. It follows the adventures of a baby brown geared bat who lives in the attic of a farmhouse. In this chat with Angela, we find out what inspired her to sit down and write it, her advice for any budding writers out there, and how she got involved in the world of bats. Angela also reveals what's next in store for Bobby. It's a very, very sunny day in the middle of October. Autumn is officially here, and I'm sat on a bench in the Welcome Hills, which is overlooking Stratford-upon-Avon, with Angela Mills, who is the author of Bobby the Brown on Geared Bat. And when we were setting up this meeting today, Angela suggested Stratford because it was roughly halfway between the two of us. So, Angela, thank you for coming on that chat today. Um, where is home for you? Thanks, Steve. What a great spot you've chosen, actually. And what a great day. Um, home for me, well, originally Dorset and now Oxfordshire. So I'm in South Oxfordshire and I've been there for now three and a half years. Nice. What, uh, any reason the change was sparked, the, the move? Yeah, I, I moved for work. I uh, was an ecologist down in Dorset and uh, as I've gotten older I decided that I didn't want to do so many dusk and dawns and crawling <laughs> through loft spaces so uh, I wanted to be in an office and I worked for the Centre for Ecology and Hydrology uh, for, gosh, nearly three years uh, in their office there, licensing out their data sets and I've recently moved to another position in Oxfordshire so nice. it was work that brought me here and it's a, it's a great county, Oxfordshire and uh, yeah, I do miss Dorset a little bit but uh, exploring Oxfordshire has been fun Nice, and we're going to touch on Bobby, the brown on geared bat, the book you wrote okay. um, in a bit but I mean you left career in banking to study biology as a mature student at the University of Southampton so what sparked that change from the finance sector over to ecology? Yes, you know, I was always going out at weekends doing 
volunteering with Dorset Back Group or Dorset Wildlife Trust or Dorset Countryside Volunteers and I loved it and I thought oh do I really want to be in banking for the next 20 or 30 years and the funny thing is Steve when I was leaving school I didn't know what I wanted to do but I knew I didn't want to work in a bank and I ended up in JP Morgan for 10 years but I have to say I don't regret that it was a great job and a great career and it was really dynamic and it, it I suppose set up my business acumen and uh, but there was always that, that yearning to go and learn and, and do something more meaningful and I think helping nature kind of fulfills that so hence the, the decision to go and study biology at Southampton University in my 30s. And, I mean, what was it about the natural world that made you want to work in it? You know, have you always been interested in in nature? Yeah, I think so. Since a child, um, I always remember a teacher saying to me at primary school, what do you hate most, Angela? And I said, cruelty to animals. And I think I've always been a bit of an animal person. You know, I like people, but I prefer the the fluffy kind more. Um, So um, I, I like to try and help nature and inspire children now about nature. You wrote Bobby the Brown on Geared Bats book and it's for children you know why why a book for children what was it that that made you write a kids book rather than you know an adult adult novel yeah um well I'm not a natural writer first of all I just had an idea I'd been volunteering in Dorset and I remember thinking gosh bats are so misrepresented you know we grow up with this myth about them and myself included I used to watch horror movies and I thought bats were scary but the more volunteering I did, the more I thought, gosh, these are amazing little creatures. They are really amazing. So um, I thought I wanted to kind of write that wrong. And the idea of the book was developing as I was doing volunteering, which often included going out and rescuing baby bats, the pups in the summer that had fallen into rooms they shouldn't be in people's households. The idea for the book was developing. And I thought one month, you know, I had no work actually come in Hmm. it was almost like divine intervention here's a free month Angela (laughs) off you go write this book so uh, I had a go and um, Bobby was the result and uh, you know I think it's important to inspire children while they're young and enthusiastic to either write or read or draw so uh, hopefully I'm beginning to achieve that that wish and you say you've just moved to Oxford now. I mean, how would your parents describe what you do for a living? What's the day-to-day job? Oh, that's recently changed. Uh, so I was working for the Centre for Ecology and Hydrology in the office there. and um, But a really great opportunity came up with the Science Technology Facilities Council um, working on the European Space Agency Business Incubation Centre project. And that is helping start-up companies with a space focus, um, helping them start up their business. So I'm in the office there um, so it's still science related, but um, very different. It's very different. So um, you know, you never know in life where you're going to end up. But I'm enjoying it. It's uh, it's it's uh, probably my my second best. Well, my second um, interest actually next to bats, astronomy. I suppose we all like a bit of stargazing, don't we? Yeah. And uh, so I think uh, now I'm working in that sector. So it's all very interesting and exciting and all very new. So I'm exploring that now. Um, I mean, what's your first memory of a bat? I mean, do you remember seeing them as kids or is it something that sort of came on your radar as an adult? Yeah, very much as an adult. You know, I don't remember as a child seeing a bat, apart from on the TV, which was, like, as, as I say, never in a positive light. So yeah. um, I think it wasn't until I started volunteering and probably I probably give credit to uh, Dorset Bat Group for that. Probably Jan Freeborn, Sally Humphreys, who does bat care as well, and uh, Nick so the team down in Dorset really introduced me to bats. We used to go out doing um, bat box checks in the woodlands, chasing around with um, a ladder in sometimes very hilly places. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the sight of a, a bat in a bat box was always, it was always thrilling. And, 
Sometimes we do, as part of the NBMP, we would do uh, evening projects. And I remember standing outside Mangerton Mill in Dorset and watching the Serratines fly. And, you know, I, I never tire of, of watching them. So, uh, yeah, thanks to Dorset Backbeat for introducing yeah. me to bats. <laughs> I mean, where did the, the inspiration for Bobby come from? And why was it a, a long-eared bat that you chose to write about? Yeah, I think the idea developed as I was doing the volunteering. I remember Sally Humphreys used to send me out to collect bats. And I remember actually collecting a little Pippa style bat from a school once that had fallen into the lobby. And maybe it came from there. I don't know. It was, it was kind of putting two and two together and thinking, you know, bats are misrepresented and uh, wanting to inspire children and maybe make a little difference in the world somehow. And uh, so I think that's probably where the, the story came from. And obviously working as well as an ecologist, I could see that maybe people weren't so bat-friendly as I would want them to be. So I think that's where the, the idea came from, volunteering and working in that field. Um, so when I was writing the book, I thought, what bat shall I choose? And I, I guess long-eared bats are quite appealing with their big, long ears. But, uh, you know, having said that, there are lots of other bats that are on my radar that I really like. like the pipistrels are very cute. And, um, oh, we've got a lovely black dog joining us. <laughs> Hello. Hello. We've got a, a black dog bat fan. <laughs> That's fine. Morning. Um, so, uh, yes, brown long ears and grey long ears, really appealing with their long ears. But I do like the pipistrels because they're so cute. And, uh, you know, also the barbastels with their, their ears joining in the middle there. It makes them look a little bit weird but wonderful. And also the serotine because they're scruffy, but they're really elegant flyers. But mm-hmm. I think it had to be a, a long ear bat just for the sake of the fact that it's appealing you know he's appealing for children so and for people who haven't read uh, read bobby are you able to give us the rough plot line of it yes well it's uh summer uh baby bats the pups are being born and uh, bobby is born in the attic and uh it's basically his first journey outside and what happens to him and uh yeah i don't want to give too much away no <laughs> <laughs> But it's education, it's realistic. So, you know, hopefully people, um, when they read it to their children, um, will learn something as well. Because uh, yeah, I think as an adult, we don't understand a lot of, you know, the bat life cycle. And uh, at the back of the book, there's also some bat facts, courtesy of the Bat Conservation Trust. I mean, by the time we release this podcast, which will probably be in the new year, by the time people are listening to this, it'll have been getting on for five years since since the book was published how how well has it been received in that time oh it's been really well received thank you i mean you know chris packham did the forward which is always lovely and kate did some lovely illustrations so as a my first attempt i think it's been a, a pretty good a, attempt when i go into schools and read the book you know the kids are so enthusiastic and uh i even had one little boy uh say to me once this is the best day of my life and I thought wow that, that's amazing but he was a, a you know a real bat fan and uh, I'm sure that that um, best day of his life will change as the years go by but for now he was he absolutely was enthralled by it and uh, that's always pleasing to see and you know I had another little boy who um, was on the spectrum and his mum was saying he's not normally very engaged but he's really engaged with this and you know so I think it's it's reaching lots of different people for different reasons and uh, you know I, that, that's great you know it was hard work putting the book into publication I self-published it but uh, you know when you hear feedback like that it makes it all the worthwhile I was going to say how long does it take to write something like that yeah I guess it was about a, a month and I got it proofread by um, Jan Freeborn very kindly read it and I, I wanted to make sure it was you know accurate and read well and then I had a child psychiatrist read it um, and give feedback and some children read it and give feedback so I suppose 
it was a good year or so getting into production though by the time I gave Kate the brief for the you know the the pictures and uh it went through the uh you know the the printers uh so yeah it was it was a good year or so getting it out into the into the public domain yeah. and you mentioned Kate a couple of times there yeah. how do you go about finding an illustrator who's got that ability to capture the feel of the book that you're looking for yeah, it was difficult, actually, because I wanted Bobby to be realistic but also appealing. Um, so I, I started looking for illustrators initially in Dorset and on my doorstep, but um, couldn't find them. And then it was so difficult. And I remember, gosh, thinking, you know, I've got this idea for the book, but how am I going to get it into production? I can't even find an illustrator. <laughs> and I remember saying out loud, you know, if you really want this book in publication, come on, find me an, an illustrator. It's all putting it out there to whoever's listening. <laughs> if you believe in that sort of thing and uh, you know within a few days I found Kate on the the website and uh, I made contact with her and she seemed a perfect fit because she's a wildlife illustrator and she managed to accurately draw Bobby but also make him appealing which is great she's really brought him to life yeah, yeah. and when you're chatting to kids when you go and do readings in school you know what what's the current perception about bats amongst kids today yeah, kids are more open-minded, I think, um, you know, which, which is always great to see. Of course, I get the COVID question now, um, mm. which is a bit worrying, um, you know, so we need to make sure that everyone fully understands around that. Um, but, that, you know, kids are really open-minded about things and normally very enthused. So uh, that's good to see. And you said you'd been volunteering with Dorset Bat Group when you got the idea. Did you have to get out there and learn anything else about long-eared bats in particular before writing it, or did you already have that background information um, to hand? Gosh, well, I was a—I think I'm, well, I was class two licensed by that stage, and I had done a lot of um, courses. I think Adrian down in Devon, whose surname escapes me, Daily. That's right. Yeah, he—he <laughs> was, um, you know, fundamental in my training. I did some courses at a lovely farm. Um, and so I've done a lot of courses all about bat biology and all sorts of things but and, and also researching Bat Conservation Trust online resources help mm. me learn more about brown long ear bats because you know I, I have a general understanding of bats but maybe not so specific um, but then I guess I, uh, nothing too specific was needed for the children's book it was just a general kind of introduction to bats so um, yeah I think um I did have to prepare a little bit, and so thank you to everyone that's helped me with that over the years, training, and uh, all the BCT resources out there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, on the whole, because I'm, you know, bat licensed, I kind of know more than the average person about bats, yeah. I suppose, which helped. And were there any books you read as a child yourself which inspired that love of nature to connect, I guess, with the natural world? Well, I mean, as a child, it was always Beatrix Potter for me, you know. And um, I think that's probably, <laughs> I wouldn't dare say I'm a modern day Beatrice, but I would love to be. I would love to be able to paint and draw and um, write more um, as a natural writer and, and illustrator. And also buy land for nature. I mean, that was great what she did. I think that really inspired me. I'd love to be able to do that. So, uh, you know, I think it's mainly Beatrice Potter and of course Winnie the Pooh. Um, but nature books my sister used to have a book called buzzy wing and that's a really old book about a bee and i used to love that and then there were all these lovely these lovely penguin books i think were they ladybird books and um, what to look for in autumn winter spring mm. and summer do you remember those yeah, yeah yeah so um i think all those sort of little books used to inspire me as a child when i was chatting to emma reynolds a few weeks ago um we were chatting about how there's very few kids books out there about bats you know there's there's yourself, there's Emma's new book, there's books that I read as a kid which were Sunwing and Silverwing. 
but there's not very many books about bats for kids and in general probably nature you know why do you think that is yeah i think as bats are perceived as not very friendly i think which is a bit of a shame and scary you know so uh I think we need to get more bat books out there. Having said that, I have just completed the second one, Steve. But, I, was um, <laughs> ask, I was going to ask if you got any more in the pipeline. Well, it's ready, but it's getting it out there. I mean, the first one was difficult to get out there, like I say, and it was, it was expensive. I did a print run. So this time I would have to think about, you know, do I do print on demand? But with print on demand, you've got the colour vibrancy issue because the print's maybe not quite as good. Um, so I guess I'm looking for an agent or a, a publisher if anyone's listening <laughs> please do make contact the second book's out, you know, ready to be out, to go out and um, I've even penned a little cartoon but that needs a bit of work you know, any kind of script writer would be <laughs> I'd be very open to a script writer getting in contact and you know I was thinking Hollywood owes us because it's due to Hollywood that we have this bad perception of bats you know these scary movies so you know hollywood film writers please contact me let's make <laughs> let's make my cartoon get on the screen there you go folks get in touch with angela <laughs> we'll put uh, we'll put angela's email address at the bottom of the show notes <laughs> thank you so uh but yeah we definitely need to inspire more people to write more books that's for sure about bats um and actually when you think about other animals that are perceived as scary are there any books about snakes i don't know i haven't been in the children's section lately of a bookstore but no. it's normally fluffy fun creatures isn't it um but maybe yeah we should maybe think about writing that um so yes get writing bat books please everyone and is the, new, is the new book about bats it's a bobby sequel oh nice ah, yeah so it's um it's ready to go pretty much as long as uh someone would like to publish it print it <laughs> and, and what inspires you to sit down and you know pick up the pen and start writing i think it's all about timing you know and i think you have to be in the right mood because i work full time as well you know you, you have other constraints so uh when did i last pen this one i think it was at christmas i did have hmm. that in the back of my mind actually that i would do it when i had a bit more holiday time yeah um so uh but you do definitely have to be in the mood and you start maybe jotting a few ideas down as you think about them, the plot, etc. Um, and uh, I think it's, yeah, I, I knew, normally do dedicate some time around it, but it does, definitely has to be the right time. If I'm not in the right mood mm. to sit down, then it, it doesn't get done. But, you know, I have some great friends that um, I bounce ideas off of and, uh, and they've been really helpful with getting, the, getting me to write the second book. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say to any budding writers out there who just don't know where to start what would be your top tip well um i think if it was children i would say follow your ideas and inspiration you know i used to have a magnet on my fridge at home that said follow your dreams that's where destiny is found you know go for it have a go i mean i'm i'm not a natural writer but i just gave it a go and you know bobby's out there so for children you know believe in your dreams go for it and uh, and give it a go for adults yeah the same applies but also i suppose more practical advice would be do your research there's the writers and artists year book which is really helpful um if you're thinking of um, getting a book out there that, that's like the bible for mm-hmm. writers um, so i would maybe start there and go into bookshops and have a look and see who's publishing the sort of books that you're going to um to write if you're going to you know apply for um, a publisher to publish the book um, if you're going to self-publish now gosh that's that's a whole a whole different approach um, I did do a, a course once in my local library how to self-publish um, I'm happy to help people if they want to make contact <laughs> um, but um, 
that, that's a lot of research. Um, you know, make sure you, you, you decide between a print run or print on demand and um, know your margins, know your market. And the marketing is the most, the most difficult, I think. Hmm. Um, that's probably the most difficult. But I would definitely say give it a go and, um, you know, don't be deterred because, um, you know, you, you have ups and downs, don't you? And it, was no, it wasn't straightforward getting the book into publication, that's for sure. But, um, you know, it, it, it all happened um, yeah. at the right time. Yeah. And we should say where it's available to purchase. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, so it is on Amazon, but I also have my own website, which is www.bobbythebrownlong-eardbat.co.uk. Maybe a long um, domain name, but I wanted children to learn at least one uh, native species name yeah. of a bat. So uh, you can buy the book there. It's in uh, Waterstones. Um, some bookshops can order it. So... Uh, it's out there and I think um, there's links on the BCT website thank you for that I was going to say we'll stick a link in the show notes below (laughs) and which three books would you say are a must read for listeners to have on their radar a must read oh my gosh that's interesting and I suppose sorry I've thrown that at you with no prep at all yeah apart from Bobby of course Um, nature books Um, oh you know I actually really like Lunar Moon Hair but that's maybe not a children's book it's more it's, it's maybe more of a pagan book, but it's about the, the seasons and the wheels turning through the, the year. Um, mm. But it's rather beautifully written. And I can't remember the name of the author. That's rather lovely. That sits quite proudly on my mantelpiece. Yeah. Um, another book I'm trying to think. Um, oh, you know, an adult's book I read in the summer, which was beautiful, Where the Crawdads Sing. And she's actually a scientist and uh, it's beautifully written. And it is about her life growing up in the lagoons of the deep south in America and uh you know it's, it's quite a difficult upbringing but she finds solace in nature around her that's rather beautifully written um so that's an adult's book but um for children i suppose Beatrix potter yeah but then you know that was my inspiration as a child <laughs> <laughs> and do you manage to get out during the summer months to go and watch bats and if you do where are the best places to go watching bats where you live Ah, okay. Well, you know, in my village, we have literally up the lane from me a 250 strong Soprano Pipistrelle bat roost. Nice. So I pop to my neighbours now again. (laughs) (laughs) And we have a nice little coppice in the next lane, which is quite good for bats. And I know we've got a brown long-eared next door in an old barn. And actually my neighbour, just down the road, a little bit further down the road in, um, this is Clifton Hamden, um, she has quite a big bat roost, but we're yet to determine what she's got. But all I can tell you is, um, when I came out one evening from a very nice barbecue, we could hear the bats chattering in her <laughs> in her ball. So um, we'll probably determine what they are next year. But locally, Oxfordshire Bat Group, um, I have been out with them. And uh, Newnham Courtney, we did a NBMP survey there and we saw some long ears come out. So thank you, Cathy, and, uh, for that. Um, I don't know Oxfordshire that well, that's the thing. I know mm. Dorset, but not Oxfordshire so well. But, um, you know, I think bats turn up in all sorts of places, don't they? I was just saying to you as we were walking here that, you know, in Didcot we had a bat outside a shop one day and there was not a very good tree line or connectivity <laughs> there. So, you know, I just think look up at dusk and you'll probably see them. <laughs> Got another inquisitive dog. Yeah, he's lovely, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, I'd forgotten when we were, I'd, I'd completely forgotten when I got out of the car and saw Angela. Angela reminded me that we'd both been stood carrying, what was it called? It was Biggles, wasn't it? It was Biggles, oh, right. Biggles, <laughs> Biggles the bat for the Chris Backham's Walk for Wildlife in London back in, God, when was that? 20, 2017, 2016, something really? like that. I remember that. That was a great day. Great turnout. 
Great energy. Yeah. yeah. Um, this week on the news, we've heard lots about the Earthshot Prize launched by Prince William. And if you had the prize money of £1 million to spend on the natural world, how would you spend it? Oh, my gosh. I think it would have to be land, you know, protecting the land for nature and creating connectivity for wildlife. So I think buy as much land as possible, I think, with that. Um, and also, we'd have to have a bat flight and a bat carrying <laughs> sanctuary because maybe that's one thing that BCT is lacking. I mean, I know you've got your individual people all around the country, but we could have a nice big centre just for BCT, have their bat carers and maybe a place where people could visit bats and learn about bats more. Yeah. That's a good answer. I like that. Do you like that? Yeah. Good. <laughs> um, what's the importance of children's books and the long-lasting power of the books that we grow up with? Ooh. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? I suppose they touch us in so many different ways, don't they? Books, as do films and all sorts of, you know, media. Um, But for me, it was very much, you know, reading that book at night, the anticipation of turning the page and discovering what happens next or that beautiful illustration that you particularly like. I think, yeah, books are special. And I think it's also that quality time you spend with the people that are reading them to you. Yeah. You know, if you can't read them yourselves, you know, it's that memory of sitting down with mum and dad or grand and granddad or brother, sister. And, um, but the book itself, yeah, um, you know, it stays with you. Beatrix Potter and the Flopsy Bunnies are my favourite. What was your favourite Beatrix Potter? Ooh, <laughs> oh, Beatrix, my favourite Beatrix Potter book. Um, I'm sure we were all a bit, a little bit scared by Mr McGregor. <laughs> yeah, there was that. I've or probably, any particular book, it doesn't have to be Beatrix Potter. Well... Beatrix Potter-wise, probably Mrs. Tiggy Winkle was oh, my yes. favourite. Yeah. Um, my favourite kids' book. Uh, it was Swallows and Amazons for me. Was it? Yeah. 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 yeah the, the whole series, actually. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Good so, choice. Where can people find you online? Which platforms are you on? Oh yeah, maybe I don't promote myself as well as I should online. I'm not very techy. I'm on Facebook and I have my own website. Um, and by all means, people can make contact through my email address, which is on the website. I'm on Instagram as well. I think that's pretty much it. Uh, Angela Mills, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much. But Steve, I want to give you a book. And I don't know whether you want to maybe make this as a a competition. Um, And also, I've got some books that you might like to give to your primary schools locally. Is that okay? Would you like to do that? That's so kind. Okay, so I'll give those to you in a minute. Oh, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. It's been lovely. A big thanks to Angela for taking time out to meet me on that lovely autumn day. And thank you to you for listening to this episode. I really hope you've enjoyed it. If there are any scriptwriters out there for Angela's cartoon, please do get in touch with her via her website. We've put links to Angela's Instagram and website in the show notes. And as you heard in that episode, Angela gave us the idea of launching Batchat's first ever competition. Angela has kindly donated a copy of Bobby the Brown on Geared Bat, signed by both herself and Chris Packham. And Emma Reynolds from episode 26 has donated a copy of her book, Amara and the Bats. To enter the competition and win one of these brilliant books, all you have to do is write us a review about the show and the two winners will be picked at random at the end of this series, which is now not that far away with just two episodes left. So you need to follow the instructions in the show notes if you want to be in with a chance of winning one of these prizes. We've loved reading all the reviews so far and it keeps me motivated to keep creating the show. Remember, we need to be able to contact you if you win, so when you leave your review, make sure you give us your Twitter or Instagram handle in the review. I'll be back in two weeks' time, joining volunteers to count out a bat roost for the National Bat Monitoring Programme and speaking with Philip Briggs, Monitoring Manager for the Bat Conservation Trust.
What did you think of this episode? If you can please leave a quick comment about the show in the ratings and review section, we'd really appreciate it. It helps other listeners to discover our podcast.